you know, typical military stuff, especially over the last 20 years, I've been shot at, got my face blown up. Uh, I've almost killed my friends in a rollover Humvee accident while I was driving. Like all this just normal stuff that that, that kind of come goes along with the territory. And never, never have I ever been even close to the level of fear that I had when I was what you were talking about earlier, looking at myself essentially naked with who I actually am, not who I was trying to be, not who I was supposed to be, whatever, but just completely bare to the bones, who I really, really, that, that was scary. Okay. Welcome back. Mental Purpose Podcast starts right now. Have you ever wanted to pick a Navy SEAL's brain? Well, we're going to get into a Navy SEAL's brain today. Here's the thing though. We're not going to talk about what you think we're going to talk about, like war and, and, you know, fighting and defending and that kind of thing. We are going to talk about actually what I was, I was very surprised by. We're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool stuff. We're going to talk about being unfulfilled. We're going to be talking about your life grows to the extent that you do laden with failure, being hardwired to go versus slowing down and how to deal with that and how to actually get into that slow down phase where most growth comes from, how not to let the external environment affect your internal self. We're going to talk about the, pl- the power of psychedelics and plant medicine. We're going to talk about dealing with your identity, your current identity, and finding the real you. Talking about connecting to your deepest self, different levels of fear, epigenetics, failure as a SEAL, processing shame, accessing flow state, and much, much more. I want to keep these intros really, really, really fast. My guest today is Diego Ugalde, former Navy SEAL, owns a really great business called The Trident Approach. It is... I love this episode. It was so much fun. You all are going to have fun. Here's the thing. Within the first 20 minutes, this guy's going to drop so much info for you. You got to make sure that you're writing. You got to make sure that you have a pen and paper ready or take notes on your phone. Whatever you're going to do, this is gold. I'm telling you, it's freaking gold. Now, look, here's the business side. Make sure you join our, our community, uh, the Mental Purpose community or the Quitters Club community on Facebook. There's tons of free resources we've got. We've got uh, discovery courses. We've got design courses to how to design your life and be intentional. We've got, we've got break. Oh, you just name it. Like we've got masterminds. We've got so many cool things going on. You want to be a part of it. I think that intro is long enough. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening as always. Enjoy this episode and make sure you uh, rate and review. If you haven't subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating of five star. If you love it, uh, give us some feedback, mentalpurpose at gmail.com or sorry, menonpurposepodcast at gmail.com. If you want to give feedback, I love it. It helps us course correct. Enjoy. Okay, Diego, let's, let's finish. Let's, let's keep this conversation going before we hit the record button. We were talking about some cool stuff. So I said, the one thing I never, I never really got about growing and scaling a business is being patient and slowing down, right? That, that has been a monumental increase in my business. In addition to working on me, because we are the operators of our businesses, our lives, our relationships. And I preach this all the time. Your business, your life, your relationships grow to the extent that you do. And that's like, that's something we're actually going to get into here. I, 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 I know you know that <laughs> really clearly. Well, it's just funny, just the synchronicity of everything, because I literally wrote a, a post on my LinkedIn account today about exactly that. I was, I was, um, coaching someone this morning and they were just talking about, man, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And 
I don't know, but I just feel like I'm a mess. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, you're not taking any time for yourself and really slowing down. And, and it was the thing is, is that we're taught in our culture to just achieve and cons oh, yeah. yeah, just consume going. And no matter what, as long as you don't give up, you, you keep going, you know, you're going to get to where you want to go. And, and one of the more difficult things, so I love hearing you saying what you're saying, because it took me 30 years to finally, finally get to a place where I'm like, I can't achieve anymore. Like I've done everything that I wanted to do in the SEAL teams and in combat and all this stuff. And how is it that I'm still so unfulfilled? And by doing exactly what you're talking about, slowing down and actually doing without doing is is really how I started to grow and really connecting with my deepest self, which is something that you can't do when you're on the go. You can't do when you've got all these like check boxes and things like that. Yeah. You have to knock off the list. So it's a you really know, important lesson. What's really interesting is a lot of guys who are not in your professional achievement position, right? It's not good mm -hmm. or bad, better or worse. It's you've achieved some, some pretty high marks, right? And, yeah. and things that, you know, the, 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 the like vast majority of the world could never accomplish. They could never get their brain to that level of commitment or discipline or action or activity or pushing through fear. So I'm curious to know, you know, when we talk to, let's say regular guys, like civilian guys who are just in business and they're going, 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 yet we train them to kind of turn that off, slow down, focus on them, be selfish for a second. How does a guy like you that's been, that's been battle trained, Navy SEAL trained, business trained, like for, for decades, how the hell do you slow down and focus up when you, when you're basically hardwired to go? Yeah. Everyone who has known me since probably the age of five has always thought or said to me, you're like the happiest dude I've ever met. <laughs> I would always be <laughs> laughing or singing. I used to be a lead singer in a rock and roll band or whatever. And I'd just be jamming out in the car. And, and one, ex uh, one example I, I like to use is I was stationed in Germany for three and a half years. And it was just, and Germany's cool. But the coolest thing about Germany is everything is just a couple hours away. So me living in San Diego and driving up is, to L.A. is the equivalent of me just driving into Switzerland or France or Belgium, whatever. It's just right there. Everything is right there. And because of that, we got to go to like these amazing countries. I've been to like 58 different countries. And I can I can tell you with every ounce of honesty that I have in my soul, it seemed like every weekend. I would be compelled to say out loud, this is the best day of my life because nice. I would be in the middle of a, some pristine blue lake in the middle of the Alps or, you know, on the beaches of France or whatever it is like, this is the coolest thing ever. And I really meant it. And then in 2015, I moved to San Diego, uh, back to San Diego to, to finish out my last tour in the military I'm sitting there driving down the freeway. The windows are all rolled down. Music's blasting. I'm singing away. Happy as could be. And somebody would cut me off and bam, just instantly triggered, angry. Like I wanted to, whatever, this guy's a jerk, whatever. And then finally, after all those years, I asked myself for the first time, how happy could I really be if all it takes is somebody to cut me off on the freeway 
totally. to completely change. I mean, I'm telling you, I was, I mean, might as well had like pinatas going on, mariachi bands and stuff playing. That's how happy I was. Somebody cuts me off and all of a sudden it's like wartime. And just asking that simple question of how happy could I really be if that's all it takes to get me off kilter is what led me down this path of, okay, well, I've achieved, achieved, achieved. It's not like I haven't failed. In fact, much of my career, and, and especially in the early times, was laden with failure. Sure. So even then, like after having overcome all this stuff and finally, finally being successful, getting everything I ever worked for or wanted to get, it wasn't enough. And then, yeah, so going down that path, which eventually ended up just making a big giant U-turn into the deepest part of myself was where I was headed. That's where I really, really learned, oh, okay, so there's more to this life than I ever knew or was ever taught or ever explained yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's interesting is our, one of our, the, the like main message of our business is we help people stop or quit living the life that they thought would make them happy mm. and start or calibrate or figure out how to live the life that actually will like give themselves permission. Yeah. And what's interesting about what you, what you're saying is I think the average person would go, Oh, well, he's a military guy. He's trained as a fighter, you know, as, as a seal, like a, a elite. So of course he's going to instantly snap over to, I'm going to kill somebody right for cutting me off. Yet there is no difference between you and your training and the average guy driving to his cubicle nine to five and that yeah. external stimulation trigger can affect the whole internal world. Like that is equal across the whole yeah. plane. Women too, women too. What's yeah. your take on, on the, I'm interested in what you learned about how the external environment affects your internal environment and how you how you curbed that or how you, you switched that or shifted that. Wow. Okay. So what you were talking about uh, also comes up a lot when I'm talking with people and in their lives, they're like, well, you know, I've, I've never done anything like, like what you did, but here's what I did. And, and most of the time they talk about it as, as you know, my existence within the realm of danger and things. And so I would always ask, have you ever almost been in a car accident where you ever almost thought you were about to die in just in one second? And almost all the time it's like, yes. I'm like, well, you haven't experienced anything different than me because your brain registers it and, and compartmentalizes and processes it exactly the same. Sure. Whether you're staring down the barrel of another gun or a, a tree falls in front of you in a big windstorm or whatever, it literally is the same thing. So people kind of minimize their experiences a lot when they yeah. talk to me, unfortunately, but, but it matters just as much, sure. just as much. And what, what it took for me to get into this place um, really was psychedelics. That was the big, th I've always been kind of really questioning things or my understanding of what everyone has kind of told me about the world around me. And I've always really been kind of checked out from media and that type of thing, not necessarily trusting things, but, but what really made it sort of this undeniable presence was, um, was going through psychedelics for the first time and then seeing, well, man, literally everything I've been taught about all this stuff 
is yeah. all not not so. It isn't yeah. that way. There is this whole other way. And so I was, I I do say that, and I really do mean that. I, I and for the most part in the, in the SEAL platoons, you have Type A guys that are just they dominate everything, and they're used oh. to winning everything. Yep. And I never felt that way. I, I had like, I didn't even have imposter syndrome because I never for a moment tricked myself into believing that I was an imposter. I was just like, I don't know how the hell I got here. I'm right. just lucky to be here. I got backstage passes. I'm standing right next to superheroes. Like this is um, the one one thing of value that I that was undeniable to me that I was bringing to the table is I was a medic. And I was a, before I got in the military, I was a civilian paramedic. So I've been treating gunshot wounds and burns and crash yep. injuries and stuff like that. So I felt like I, did, I belonged in that sense. But just being surrounded by these guys that really were superheroes, I was like, man, this is unbelievable. But so so really my mind has, has always been kind of different than like one of these guys is not like the other. Sure. And I think that that helped me when I did do psychedelics being like, oh, this is this is what's been really kind of hanging over me for all these years that I never really understood and now i wouldn't say that i fully understand it in the moment but i can tell you that i understand a lot more about it than i than i ever ever have yeah what 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 it sounds like is that you had this clarity around identity that when mm -hmm. i talk to a lot of military guys the, they they are a soldier or they are a seal or they are a fighter or they are a sergeant or and and that's how they identify and that is everything. And then when they get out of active duty or they retire um, or they get like a medical discharge or something, their whole world is, is, is turned upside down because everything that they identified with and the way they identified themselves, like if they walked into a party, which most people say, Oh, what do you do? Uh, I'm, I'm a whatever lawyer, military guy, seal or whatever. I, it, it almost sounds like, and, and I, I felt that inside of me too. Like I'm not this profession. I'm just in this profession. I'm not this profession. I'm not a real estate agent. I'm not, a, I'm not a coach. I'm not a podcast host. I, I am just doing those things. And what that left for me was, well, then who the fuck are you? Like, that's what I kept asking myself is who are you, dude? If you're not a realtor, if you're not a coach, if you're not a podcast host, if you're not a shipping guy, then what's left is the scary piece, which most people distract themselves and avoid, which is now you got to figure out who you are. Right. And that sounds very yeah. similar to your story, which is you didn't identify as that guy. You just knew you were in that situation. That's cool. That's really cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you were saying before about how they're, the world was turned upside. I think the world has remained the same. It's just the mind was turned upside down. Okay. I had this anchoring point and then all of a sudden, but everything else around them was the same. And yeah. in fact, even, even some of the way that the people that they love or love them, they'd never really changed how they felt about this person. But this person's like, Oh, I'm not worth as much as I used to be. Um, but so the other thing is, so I work with an organization called the Honor Foundation, and it's a nonprofit organization that helps special operations people transition from the military to the civilian world. And by far and away, uh, the biggest number, number, number one concern of people leaving the military is 
what do I do now that I'm, I'm no longer this? And so we spend time talking to them like, okay, just look at this like orb of light and just take one little fraction of that light. That's you being a seal. Congratulations. That's amazing. Okay. Whatever you are the rest of this also, but you're everything else. (laughs) And when we, when we hit it with some people and do a good job so that they can see for themselves that they really are so much more than they've ever understood, then that can become really powerful for them. And all of a sudden this whole fear of, you know, what do I do now is, is not even a fear. Now it's like, Whoa, what do I get to do now? Yeah. It's like a scarcity versus it's like scarcity versus unlimited possibility. And it's, that's not an option and opportunity thing. That's a mindset thing. The first thing that people say to me, I work with a lot of military guys. And they'll say to me, I just need more opportunity. And I go, no, you got to shift your mindset to understand that opportunity is standing in front of you. It's there. You just can't see it because of the lenses that you're looking at life through. It's really it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and what's interesting is somebody asked me, I don't know, like a month ago, I was getting interviewed on a podcast and they said, what makes your programs different? And I said, we are more about elimination than acquisition. And they're like, well, how do you, what the hell does that mean? And I said, most seminars, programs, coaching, whatever that you go through, they pile shit on top of you. And yet they're not removing the pieces below that's, mm. that are the foundation of who you've become, what you do, how you think, the programming that you have from the past. If you don't remove that stuff, you, you're, building a, you know, you're, you're building a building on an old crappy foundation that, that can't support it. And that's why there's no sustainability in a lot of different programs that people take and they come to us and they go, well, this shit's really hard. And I'm like, yeah, it's your life yeah. though. Like how yeah. hard are you willing to work? Like I guarantee you there's a, there's an Elon Musk uh, like meme that says people will freak the fuck out when their phone is on 1% and do whatever it takes to find a charger. Yet when their dreams are dying, they won't do shit about it except for complain. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like think yeah. about that. It's just a phone. It's just a phone. Yet, yeah. There's a whole different mindset when it comes to our own dreams. And maybe that's a self-worth, self-value thing. Probably. Well, is. they're not addicted to themselves like they are to their phone. That's a great point. However, yeah. I, yeah. I get what you're saying too, which is also a huge point and very valuable thing to understand. Yeah. They could watch their dreams burning up in flames. I'm like, oh, well, that's just kind of how that goes. Yeah. And it doesn't have to. But you're right. It, it's, it is weird because on, on the surface, I think if you listen to some of the things that you and I are talking about, it sounds easy. Well, what do you mean don't do anything? Anybody can do that. What, really? Wait, just try it. Try not doing nothing. Yeah, it's not but nothing. Just being. Yeah, yeah. just being. And allowing yourself to tap into flow and all of this stuff sure. and connecting to your deepest self. That's not easy at all. No. And so I think to people on the, on the surface, it seems like it's like checking the easy box. It, nothing could, I can tell you, you know, typical military stuff, especially over the last 20 years, I've been shot at, got my face blown up. Uh, I've almost killed my friends at a rollover Humvee accident while I was driving. Like all this just normal stuff that that, that kind of goes along with the territory. And never, 
never have I ever been even close to the level of fear that I had when I was what you were talking about earlier, looking at myself essentially naked with who I actually am, not who I was trying to be, not who I was supposed to be, whatever, but just completely bare to the bones, who I really, really, that, that was scary. Cause then I'm like, Oh, this is why I don't belong in this room with these super, Oh, this and being honest, which is a very difficult thing. Um, and even the pursuit, I would say, cause I tried to, I, I genuinely try to be honest with myself always. And then I started to really figure out like, no, I was just kind of really doing my best to take care of myself sure. by lying to myself. And I didn't yeah. even know it. It is a hard thing, um, but very, very worth it. Once you break through all of that mire, you know. Agreed. You know, what's interesting, what you're talking about is, is this, constant pursuit of external stimulation. Although what we talked about earlier was how external stimulation is actually your enemy. And, and it's not, it's not exactly external stimulation. Like Aaron and I have a, uh, an exercise called angles of avoidance. And again, it's, it's, it's first it's illumination, right? Understanding. And then it's elimination, getting rid of the things that no longer serve the result that you want in the formula of your life. One plus one plus one equals three. You don't feel like it does. You don't doubt it sometimes, it's exact. One plus one plus one equals three. And so the different formulas and different levels of your life are not equaling what you want. So people, like what you were saying, kind of like, I, the hardest thing I've got to face is me, you know? And mm -hmm. most people would say like being shot at, getting blown up, rolling a Humvee and almost killing your friends, that would be the scariest thing. Yet that doesn't compare to the, to the fear about how we, feel about ourselves inside. And so the angles mm -hmm. of avoidance is, you know, Aaron and I have like 52 things on this list that show people, this is how you avoid dealing with your shit. So you work all week and then you work and then you do stuff all weekend and then it repeats. And then a month goes by and six months, then a year, and then 10 years goes by and you go, I wonder why my wife wants to divorce. Yeah. I wonder why my kids don't talk to me, you know? And yeah. And, and it's because you didn't slow down and stop doing to start being. And this is definitely not the conversation I thought you and I would have. And it's awesome <laughs> that we're having it. Um, and, and so like, and it's scary. No one's going to say it's not. I, you and I will never tell you it's not scary. Some of the scariest times in my life have been sitting here and my wife's like, don't get on your computer. Just sit and listen to a meditation. And I'm like, mm. oh, I feel like I need to be productive. I own a business. I own multiple businesses. And she's like, being productive and being busy are two different things. You're about to be busy, not productive. Don't confuse that shit. Don't mistake movement for achievement. Just because you're moving around doesn't mean you're doing anything. The best thing you can do for you right now is for you to focus on you, not your businesses, because your businesses benefit from you focusing on you. Yeah. Way easier said than done. However, it's, it's, it's one step, one step, one step. It's not like you don't just learn this in a, in a day. It's a, it's just a lifetime practice, right? Like you're still working on yourself. You're still working on stuff. And I'm, and I'm sure from your military experience, you saw some stuff and experienced some stuff that added to the plate of stuff you've got to eliminate from your mind that, you know, kind of held you down or, or was like harder to work those knots out from inside. You know what I mean? I want to talk yeah. about psychedelics. 
I want to talk about psychedelics though, because I know I know someone's going to go, "Hey, why don't you go back to that?" Let's go back. <laughs> okay. Um, what psychedelics are we talking about? Psilocybin, ayahuasca, LSD. What are we talking about? Um, the three main psychedelics that I that I work with and and that I sit with people because I'm also a psychedelic reintegration coach um, are five meo. Uh, ibogaine and psilocybin. Those are the three main main ones that I that I work with. And I guess we're going to be starting with ayahuasca here uh, pretty soon. I've been I I've been invited out to experience ayahuasca for the first time uh, later this year. Okay. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that is. But it I would say that if I had an area of expertise within the world of psychedelics, it, it, it's those three. Medicines, Ibogaine, 5-MeO, and psilocybin. What is, so I've heard of Ibogaine. I, I've, I've had plenty of experience with psychedelics in, in a in ceremonial format. I have experience with ayahuasca. What's 5-MeO? So the, the, the full name is 5-MeO DMT. I, I, oh. I failed to mention DMT because whenever people hear DMT, they're like, oh, DMT, and it's not. They're completely different. Um, different results and different effects and even different molecules. Sure. So 5-MeO is, that comes from the desert toad, the Sonoran desert toad. It's that oh, the poison right. that's extracted out and it's, and it's crystallized. And to our best understanding, it is the most powerful psychedelic in the world. Hmm. Um, but the, the unexpected thing is, is that the, the journey of it lasts for about 15 or 20 minutes. You know, it's, oh, wow. it's not like this 16 hour or yeah, 20 crazy. hours. Some, some of these have like two or three days, yeah. but what makes it the most powerful psychedelic is that if you're really fully able to release, uh, to the medicine, you can absolutely experience an egoless state kind of, it, it's the closest that I know of, of connecting where you are in this living state to you know, whatever it is, we actually are beyond this. Yeah. Um, that's what makes it so powerful. And the other piece that, that makes it really powerful is, is how I got connected with this medicine. And also all the time when I'm sitting with people who are receiving this medicine, it's, be, it's, it's, it's always because of post-traumatic stress, sure. traumatic brain injury and that kind of thing. And, uh, when you, when, when you are gone to the medicine, you know, your, your body in this world is, is going, to, if you were to sit there and watch somebody go through five MEO, I mean, it's pretty scary. It's, you know, sure. it's like, you know, might as well be watching the exorcist kind of thing. Sometimes some, some people don't do anything, sure. uh, but some people, I mean, I mean, there's everything. He goes from full on screaming and throwing up all these things. But the interesting thing is when you come out of like, you don't even know that you did any of that. Like, man, my, my throat feels like kind of sore somehow. I wonder why that is like, man, yeah. you're just, but it, at the end of the day, what, what it took me through of watching people go through, I mean, it really was, it, it's, it's uncomfortable to watch in the beginning, but now what I see it is, is just like everything in life. I see them going through the deepest, darkest and sure. coming out, the other side being like literally everything is going to be okay now yeah. where these people were struggling with suicide, like on a day-to-day -day basis. And so it's, it's really, 
I mean, psychedelics aren't right. I don't think, I don't believe in any way aren't right for everybody. They're not meant for everybody, but if you're able to, to do that and receive it in a positive way, man, it can make huge shifts sure. in, in a matter of minutes. Let me, let yeah. me ask you what, one of the, the, the first time I did ayahuasca, I, it was 20 beginning of 2018. I was kind of like we talked about earlier. I was running this life and this business that I thought I was supposed to, I was doing yeah. what I thought I was supposed to do, providing at a high level for my family money, basically an opportunity. And turns out that's not correct. Not my life. At least it wasn't correct. Um, and I realized that I needed more help and the universe delivered a plant medicine experience, like what real in my face. One night I got home from a uh, seminar down in Florida and this late, this, this like lady that I'd met one time, Rhonda, she's this beautiful soul in my life. She, uh, like now she is, she wasn't back then. I just met her once in, in Montreal randomly at this house. And she called me and she said, would you go through this weekend? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I didn't post it on social, nothing. Nobody knew I was there. And I, I was like, all right, that's interesting. And we hung, we, we kind of got off our text. And then my YouTube feed was all ayahuasca, all ayahuasca. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? The only time I'd ever heard of ayahuasca was from Robin Quiver, Quivers on the Howard Stern show. That's it. Nobody else. So I was, so my wife's like, I think you got a sign. Cause I kept asking my wife, like, I need more help. I need more. My question is, I was so scared of myself inside that I was shaking, crying, like about to drink the medicine. And the shaman says, you know, you don't have to do this. You, you did travel across the country to come here and it called you. The medicine called you. The spirit called you. So you can choose to drink or not drink. Just understand that where you are in your life right now, the only way out is through. Yeah. And the scary shit is what you got to go through. And I yeah. was like, okay. And I drank the cup and I started walking back to my seat. I was the last one. It was like 16 people in this room. And I'm seeing all these people laid out on, on these black mats covered in a white blanket. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm in a fucking cult. I just drank yeah. poison. I'm going to die. <laughs> that's how I started my ayahuasca journey. Really good way to start, by the wow. way. Yeah. And then I felt the medicine coming on and I'm like, I I'm. I have a kid. I can't, I can't believe I did this. I got a wife and a kid. Oh my. And then I woke up in the morning because I asked the medicine to treat me with kindness, like real gentle on me. And it did. And it, and it, and it was very gentle the first night, second night I doubled the dose. It wasn't as gentle. So my, my, my question is like with all the stuff that you've seen and, and it has affected your life and, and perhaps what people would perceive as, as a negative, like, weren't you scared? to dive that deep inside and let that medicine show you the scariest parts of your internal, or have you just seen so much crazy external that, that the internal wasn't going to be that scary, like in your mind? I was totally naive. Totally. The re I didn't know anything about any of this stuff, to be honest with you. I was, you know, we had our, our weekly meetings and, and one of the guys that's with us is say, Diego, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be at the meeting next week. I'm going out of Mexico. They're treating team guys who have traumatic brain injury, PTS, chemical addiction, and the whole thing. Yeah. So I'm like, awesome, brother, man. 
go down. Let me know how it goes. I can't wait to see you again. All right. So he came back. I'm like, how'd it go? He's like, you got to meet these people. I got to introduce you. So I introduced them. They, they, he introduced us. And I'm, I'm just floored with the testimonials that they're talking to me about. And these are people that I know. You know, we have a small, really fairly, fairly small community. And, and I'm, and I know that these guys are struggling hard sure. uh, because of things that they experience. And somehow with, you know, all the time that I, I've never been in Afghanistan, but I, all the time I have in Iraq and just by, you know, the normal things that kind of come in life, just being a seal somehow I don't have uh, PTS. I don't have any significant traumatic brain injury um, and I don't have chemical addiction. So when they asked me to go, I was, I was like, yeah, I would love so I can learn because what I really want to do is really take care of these guys that are suffering from these things. Yeah. And by the way, wouldn't it be awesome if I didn't have all this baggage that I had to dump so I can just be there for them and help them and just, you know, not have to worry about, you know, we're projecting or anything like that. And they're like, well, we have a thing going on this weekend. If you want to come down. And I was like, oh, well, this weekend, <laughs> like, are, are you being serious right now? <laughs> I was all looking at my watch, looking at my calendar, like, uh, you know, I don't know, but I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll come down. And they normally, they leave on Fridays and come back on Mondays. You know, they invited me down on, on Sunday. So the guys who had been there already, had, had done uh, Ibogaine, which is a 16 hour ish long medicine, yeah. generally speaking. And they were showing up to do the five MEO. And so I sat there and I watched this guy that I knew well. I mean, if there was anybody who has seen, done, experienced some of the worst things known to humans is this guy. Yeah. And, you know, I heard him go through his five MEO experience and it scared me. I was like, man, that's whatever that was. I don't want to do that. And then all of a sudden I get this knock on, the, on my door and they're like, Hey, you're up. And I was like, what? Oh, you heard <laughs> it. You didn't see it. No, he was room. He was, we were in this beautiful via in Mexico overlooking the Pacific ocean, this huge compound. He was over by the ocean and I was out by the street with a couple of structures in between us. And I still heard him through in the houses in Mexico. They're not, you know, they're not like a drywall. They're straight concrete, right. you know, cinder blocks and all that. I heard everything. And uh, so it knocked on the door and like, all right, you're up. And I'm like, man, okay, here we go. And as I was walking towards the place where they do five, because you do five MEO one at a time. There's so much right. stuff going on. You can't do like, or you shouldn't do, yeah. you know, there's a lot of stuff you have to take care of. But anyway, he's walking out towards me and he's and he's got his arm around the therapist and he looks at me and he says, I'm going to have a better life. Nice. And I was like, what? Because all I heard was <laughs> screaming, death, you know, cuss words, the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, man. So I was I was just completely nervous. And, and a lot of people liken it to you know the first time you jump out of an airplane you know you right, got right. your parachute you know you got all this stuff but you still got to jump out you know there's like right. that little precipice that you got to kind of go over 
And that's exactly what it felt like to me. Like the first time I was getting ready to jump out of an airplane, I didn't know what to expect, but I just knew my life was somehow going to be different here in a few minutes. Yeah. And, uh, so they gave me the medicine and it was, I was like, Oh, it still really bothers me how I grew up. You know, my relationship with my dad is nice. not what I think it is. My relationship with my brother is not what I am blind about. Like, there's some stuff that needs stuff that I had spent my whole life of like, I listen, I can't let myself be bothered with this or I can't, you know, positive mindset, you know, just it's all good. Just 100 percent lying to myself, not accepting the fact or the truth that it wasn't all good, that I still had a lot of healing to do and I didn't know it. Sure. Um, and then, so that, so I guess in a way, 5MEO was gentle and kind to me the first time. Um, but one of the real values that I got out of that was, yeah, for sure, I didn't have any suicidal ideations or like I said, chemical addiction or anything like that. But what I got out of the medicine was like, whoa, there's so much more to learn and discover here. Like I, I'm doing this again. And so I've, I've done five MEO six times. I've done Ibogaine twice. I've done heroic dosages of, of, uh, psilocybin, uh, six times as well. Um, at each one of those, you know, it got deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'm like, I'm well into like, Hey, bring the heat. There's no gentleness yeah. about anything. Just if, if the hammer's got to drop, let's, let's have, come on, let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it went from that kind of gentle reminder of like, Hey, you know, you're not where you okay. think you are to, you know, epigenetic kind of stuff, baggage of lifetimes that, that I don't even have anything to do with are yeah. within me. Yeah. And if I can just tell the story real quick, because people are like, what are you talking about? Um, <clears throat> so epigenetics is is really just the whole idea that that our our lives aren't encapsulated within just our one lifetime. So really great story is a, a buddy of mine that I went to SEAL training with. He actually graduated as the honor man. He was one of the very first uh, SEAL dog handlers. Um, in our community, we used to outsource that stuff. Didn't work out too well, so there's like, hey, we need to make seals dog handlers, so we're good on target. Well, anyway, uh, he had done that for a couple of years, and he ended up getting out. And he started. Uh, his name is Josh Morton, and he works with uh, Canine Tactical. He, they, they turn out some of the best tactically trained dogs in the world. Um, but what he says is, it takes about four years from the time a dog's born till it's ready to go out the door and start working with. SAS, whatever, because um, it takes him four years for these dogs to learn these behaviors. Um, about six years ago, he had an opportunity to clone his, a dog, uh, and he took that opportunity. And, and the amazing thing that he found is that it took him four months to train that dog in some of the behaviors that it took other dogs. It oh, wow. took other dogs four years to learn. Um, so that's that's what. So why is that? What is that? Another story is they did a study with mice, cherry blossoms, and electric shock. So every time they showed the mice, cherry blossoms, they gave them electric shock. Over time, they decreased the electric shock, but continued to show them the cherry blossoms until finally 
they weren't shocking them at all. But as soon as they showed them a cherry blossom, the mouse would actually have a physical reaction as though it was being shocked. Yeah. Uh, I think most people can understand that. But what freaked me out about that whole thing is that the grandchildren of those mice who had yeah. nothing to do with the study were having physical reactions by seeing a cherry blossom. So what is that? Well, that's what epigenetics is all about. And so the best that science can tell is that there's seven generations of influence on who we are. So seven generations ago are within your DNA that, that comprise, you know, you, all the successes, the failures and all that. There are other people who believe, and I'm more aligned with this potential that everyone who has ever lived that has ever been part of your family tree has room in your DNA that's taking something up. And so that's what I mean. So yeah, you can, you can go through all your childhood stuff. You can go through all this, you know, mistakes that you made or, or, or whatever it is, but that's just the beginning. (laughs) It goes and goes and goes as deep as you want. And if you really, so if you're thinking about like, what good can you do for the world? Imagine what good could you do for for you and everyone who has ever been to help to create you? Because there is still some unsettled business or unfinished business that needs to be taken care of within all of us. You know, it's, it's the reason why a three-year-old can walk up to a piano bench and be like, oh, what's this thing do? And all of a sudden just start smashing mm-hmm. away, you know, creating yeah. Mozart, you know. It's not because, well, I don't think... It, First of all, let me just, I haven't said this, but let me just say, I don't know anything, okay, (laughs) (laughs) at at all. Everything I know, somebody's either told me or I've experienced it in my own way, but all of that stuff is clouded with bias, uh, prejudice, um, whatever it is. So don't take anything that I'm saying. It's like, oh, this is the way everything is, but but that's how I feel. I, I, I feel in my experience that now looking at these kids or, or these people that are just truly talented in something like it, it is most likely that that came from somewhere else. And they're just the pinnacle of this experience in that moment. Dude, I 100% love that you brought this up. I love that you brought this up because I, I've been reading this book called It Didn't Start With You. Oh, and, it, and it's you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Mark. Um, I forget the name. I'll post, I'll put it in the show notes for the audience. Just audience, just understand if you haven't really gone through the surface level personal development and, and guy and, and, and gotten in a little deep, this book's going to blow your freaking mind. Like it's going to blow your whole world up. And dude, I, um, I am using a uh, microdose of psilocybin, uh, even, even as of last night, um, to work through and put the puzzle pieces together about some of the fears that I have that are irrational and, and not, I don't understand how I got them at all from this yeah. book. And so it's interesting that you say that because I think a lot of people would be like, what are you talking about? Well, guess what? It's cellular. What you're talking about is the blood mm-hmm. of your seven generations ago is in and passes through the placenta and gets into you. The cells are alive. Like, they take, they, they understand energy. If you ever watched the video on YouTube with the water molecules that they talked uh, positive thoughts to, and they froze and beautiful. And then they talk negative and hateful stuff. And they froze like crazy. That's yeah. what your cells do. So I, dude, I'm so with you. I'm, I, it is, it is not a coincidence that you brought that up. I had the hardest 
I had the hardest morning this morning because the psilocybin experience that I had last night showed me some things that I never connected before. And it, it was mind blowing. And I, and I was so emotional this morning, like 5am in a meditation, so emotional. And I just started journaling and like connecting things like a crime scene. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I never ever thought of how this affected my mom when I was born mm. and it was already mm. in her and it was in me. <clears throat> and now like I was able to see for the first time me as a baby, like mm. from the yeah. womb, I came mm -hmm. out six weeks premature and was immediately put into a box, right? An incubator yeah. for weeks. And I never, I never, I, you know, you always blame your parents for your bullshit. I never dug in deep enough to really understand or even ask what my parents went through mm. that day, right? Thinking their little a boy mother, was, A yeah. mother who can't touch her little baby. And it, and it makes me emotional just thinking about it. And I was, dude, I was pouring my freaking heart out this morning thinking like, oh my God, like I haven't shown my mom compassion for what she went through that day and the subsequent weeks not being able to touch. Like I was fortunate enough to be able to touch my kids right away, feel them, bond with them. She couldn't do that. So when I think that my mom had conditions on her love and I blamed her for that, and by the way, that's all made up by me, right? So mom, if you're listening, don't get crazy with this. Just listen. <laughs> but when I was born, there were conditions put on her love. I was put into a box, an incubator. The condition was you can't touch him. You can't smell him. You can't kiss him. Like, and I felt that this morning and that psilocybin helped me get that deep. And so I'm a huge proponent of, of, of plant medicine and these types of journeys to get deeper. And it is scary and it is hard. However, my job is to help free people from restraint and constriction internally. That's my mission in life. 10 million people. I will help free their internal self from restriction and constraint. And I think, I think plant medicine can do a, a phenomenal job. Like, dude, I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's so great. I love it. So have you read that book? No, but just when you're, when you're talking about the title, I was like, oh man, that sounds like something I should check out. <laughs> you need to check it out. It's great. It is it's scary. It's scary. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You're already on that path though, which is great. So, um, man, I, 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 there's so many things that I want to talk to you about. And I never thought we'd talk about plant medicine or any of this shit. So, um, I want to, I want to, I, I know what the audience is going to write to me. They're going to be like, how do you have a Navy SEAL in and not talk about being a SEAL? So I, I want to talk, I don't want to talk about combat. I want to talk about failure and I want to talk about your story. Why did you decide to become a SEAL? Like you were a medic before that. What, what was your journey like? And, and how do you bounce back from what may be some of the hardest things that humans go through, like self-imposed, right? Self-imposed. And through your, all your failures, why the hell did you keep standing back up and going back and trying again? Like what, what, what was going through your mind? That's torturous. Yeah. Right? I mean, well, that's, it's shame. The only reason why I was a seal was because of shame. What do you mean? Um, when I was in high school, uh, I, I was really good friends with my high school nurse 
she was like the one that helped me strategize, you know, the conversations I was going to have with my dad about my, what my report card looked like. <laughs> she was kind of like, <laughs> right. okay, man, let's try to figure this one out. And, 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 uh, I was a junior and I showed her my report card. It was a 1.63. And she's like, Diego, what do you, what do you, what do you want to do in life? And I said, you know, I think I want to be a doctor. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, <laughs> bro, <laughs> doctors got to go to school for like 10 years. And it's really, really hard. It's a lot harder than your third time trying to pass algebra one. Uh, <laughs> and she's like, uh, do you, uh, do you know what a paramedic is? And I'm like, no, what's that? And she's like, well, they're kind of like doctors, but instead of going to school for 10 years, they go to school for 10 months and they save people's lives out on the street or they help people out on the street. They bring them to the hospitals and leave them with the doctors and doctors take them from there. I'm like, that sounds like the coolest thing I could ever imagine. That's absolutely what I want to do. And so I got on that train, man. It was just it, being a paramedic was like my whole life. I wanted, I even came up with this whole plan. Uh, one of my favorite movies growing up, believe it or not, was Pretty Woman. And the reason why was because I, this dude was so jam-packed, loaded with money. It was insane. I was like, right. well, how do I get that much money? And I was like, well, I couldn't own my own ambulance company. So that was what I was going to do. I was going to start my own ambulance. I had a business plan and everything without realizing it was a business plan. And then, uh, and then the summertime came and my best friend, Gordon, who lived across the street, we used to, um, every once in a while throughout the summer, we would just go to Blockbuster and go rent movies. And we rented Navy SEALs one time and I'm watching this movie and I'm like, what is this? These guys are jumping out of planes. They're diving. They're driving fast. They're going after bad guys, shooting guns. Like, this is the coolest thing ever. And then about halfway through the movie, I realized that they had a medic on their team. And that was it. Hmm. That was, this is, this is me. This is what I'm going to do. How old were you? So I was, um, well, I guess 17 or so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I still had my, so I, I went and I like did the, the pre-joining of the military thing. And, and what they told me was that I had to take some, this story can be very long if I go through the thing, but, but we'll just say that literally every step of the way, the application process, the screening, the qualification process, like I failed all of it. Hmm. Um, I, I, I didn't have the aptitude of this scholastic scores that I needed. I wasn't running fast enough. I had all kinds of stuff going on. And so I had to, so instead of like joining the military, going to boot camp, and back then going to like a specialty school and then going on to SEAL training, it took me like two years to get to that, to that place of just retrying and retrying and, and reapplying and passing and all this stuff. So I finally made it to SEAL training and I'm like, I'm here, like I made it, I'm in the arena. And we had our very first conditioning run on the first day. And I realized that I was in no condition to be in, but like I, I had no business being there. I was remarkably slower than everybody else around me. And it was by a lot. And so what they have is in, in, in buds or basic underwater demolition seal training. It's like our, the seals boot camp. They have these things where you go on these these runs and if you fall back, you get put in this thing called a goon squad Yeah. where at the end of the run, everybody's like stretching out, drinking water and getting ready for the next evolution. But the people who did fall back, it's they turn up, 
like they crank down, like, you know, you're doing fireman carries, you're doing lunges in the soft sand, you're doing like all these bear crawlers and all the, they, they, it's, it's just another, you know, 30, 40 minutes of everything sucks in your life, but it's built there to, to either get you stronger. So you're not in the goon squad anymore, or to let you know that maybe you're, you know, you really don't belong here. Um, I was in every single uh, goon squad in my, in my class. But the interesting thing was, you know, day after day after day went by and guys were quitting and I was staying there. So in the beginning, there were guys in my class that was kind of resented me even being there. Like, what are you doing? This is, this is a grown man's camp. You know, what are you doing here? Kind of thing. But after, you know, all the helmets get light, every time you quit, you put your helmet under the bell. So they're, you know, halfway through first phase there, you know, could be a hundred or more helmets there. The more helmets that piled up, I was still there. And then, so finally guys in my class were like, well, I don't know that you should have came, but you're here. So let's do this thing. And then even more than that, I ended up even winning favor with some of the SEAL instructors, which is not, it doesn't happen. Like they hate everybody, but (laughs) some of these guys were pulling me aside. They were going like, dude, keep going. But the problem was I had this little kind of tickle in my, in my legs uh, starting to grow into more than a tickle and all this stuff and stress fractures, uh, all of that stuff. And I had failed every single time run that we had. And then we got done with this really intense evolution, like this infinite evolution that, that you do in, in SEAL training. And all these guys quit because there was this terrible storm that day. There's wind, trees being uprooted and the whole deal, freezing, cold, everything was just nuts. And we had made it through and we were starting hell week like that following Sunday. And I got a tap on my shoulder as we're celebrating after completing this incredible day of training. And they're like, hey, man, they have this thing. It's called a hell week board. If you fail anything, you got to go. and They're going to decide whether or not you're going to stay. I had no idea there was such thing. I just, I was 19 years old, but really kind of going on five kind of thing. I was very immature. And I, I was just like, hey, I'm here. So, you know, I deserve to be here kind of thing. I didn't know any better. But the next day came and while all the other guys were getting ready and prepared for Hell Week, I had to stand in front of the first phase instructor cadre. And, and they said, yeah, you're not welcome here anymore. And I was just. it. Oh, all all the stuff that I had failed and fly, all that stuff, all of that stuff, all the goon squads, everything, the logs, the boats, the cold, everything, all for nothing in my mind at the time. Sure, at the time, yeah, yeah. And um, so there was no, there was no question. I mean, it wasn't like this thing that I well, please let me. Stay. It's not. You're gone. You're gone, yeah. And so I ended up, uh, you know, it was the military, so I ended up going to. Uh, Ended up becoming a, a medic with the Marines, which was amazing. Um, I healed up. I went on deployment with the Marines, and I was there. I was, I was with them for about two years, and then my contract came up, and I could stay or leave the military. And I'm like, well, I joined to be a SEAL and not a SEAL, so I'm leaving. So I got out of the military totally. And then from there, I did different things. I was a bartender. I was, like I said, a lead singer in a band. I was, um, I, I. Ended up getting my civilian paramedic ticket, and I worked in Massachusetts, Florida, and Hawaii. 
and about eight years had passed. But during those eight years, about three times a month at minimum, minimum three times a month, I would have just like these terrible dreams about not making it through. And finally, one day I woke up from this dream I was sick and fucking tired of having this dream. The only way it's going to go away is if I go back. And so I was like 270 pounds. And so I had a long way to go. So <laughs> I, I ended up losing all that weight. And I rejoined the military, went straight into SEAL training, and I made it through. Uh, luckily, the, I separated my shoulder halfway through training, but I was able to stay with my class and, move, and finally, eventually graduated. But to go way back to the beginning is like, what is all this shame? Like, literally, the reason I went back to SEAL training is because I was ashamed that I didn't make it through. Living the life that I was living as a paramedic and serving in that capacity, I wanted for nothing. I was doing everything that I loved doing, taking care of people, you know, you know, just just the life of a paramedic to me was. I didn't I didn't need anything else. I made enough money. I could go anywhere i mean like i said i'm florida massachusetts why i, I go anywhere i want to especially sure. the, I, I work for american medical response and they're a nationwide company all i had to do is get the like the the certification for whatever state i want to work i could do anything but i was just so ashamed of having to tell the story over and over again like oh yeah i was in school training was you know, oh that's so cool like no no, no I, I, I fucked up i failed you know <laughs> so and and the thing is like well you didn't quit it doesn't matter either make it or you don't, you right. know, and I didn't right. make it. So, um, yeah. What, and then what, what was it ahead. though? Like was the, I think this really connects to, this is, this is a human thing. I mean, seals is tough. Like this applies to, um, the person that gets, you know, their hands sweaty when they're about to make cold calls every day, day in and day out, mm -hmm. or, 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 you know, whatever it might be that scares them. I, I mean, I've actually never heard anybody say it was shame that kept driving me. And I mean, through something like buds and, and by the way, audience, if you don't know what buds is, go to YouTube and look up a real video on buds. Not like, like look up, there's a documentary on buds and it, and it does not hide anything and it's really good. And it's kind of scary too, <laughs> but like, I, I think most people, it's like taking a year off between high school and college, like that eight year period. I mean, you could have said, well, I'm 270 pounds. I mean, come on, man. It's a lot of work. And I failed last and I didn't even fail last time. They just kicked me out and I don't want to go through that shit again. What was it in your brain that said, no, turn back. You got to do this. Like that's, that's a lot of motivation. That's a lot of self-drive to, to not only, it, it wasn't like you were, you know, in, in like godlike state in, you know, and like chiseled and ripped and ready to roll and you got right in like you had to do a lot of work and then go in every single day how the hell did you keep pushing yourself even just to drop the weight to get in and how did you push past the fear of being rejected because obviously it's an inherent human fear that we don't want to be kicked out of the tribe we don't want to be rejected so not only is it physically and mentally and emotionally taxing to like the nth degree you're you could be rejected again and and you have no say in it how the hell did you push yourself through that? The short answer is flow. Um, what I didn't realize at the time was like tapping into this universal flow where you're actually being kind of pulled by the universe, you know, instead of you foraging through the jungle with your machete. Um, 
you can do the same thing, but one is a lot easier than the other. And so the difference between flow and not flow is flow is you're swimming with the current and not flow is you're swimming against the current to, to handle like your own agenda. Like, this is what I want. It just so happened that the agenda that I had was in line with what the universe's plans were for me. I guess totally. I, I could say. So yeah, I worked out every day, but it wasn't difficult. I was pulled to work out every day. I yeah. finally saw a way out of this muck of blackness, darkness that was going to be with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. I remember asking myself a question when I was kind of going through the decision-making process. If I woke up tomorrow as a SEAL, would it have been worth it? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, okay, well then there's your answer. Um, and, and I've, it, that turned out to be a really cool question because I ask myself that question all the time whenever some sort of big project comes up or there's a lot of time investment or energy or whatever. If I wake up tomorrow and this is a thing, and it would it be worth it? And sometimes like, no, it's not. All right, cool. Then I don't have to mess with that, you know. But uh, with the question about being a SEAL, there was no hesitancy. Even... I worked crazy hours when I was like, I would work four hours on, four hours off, four hours on, four hours off for like four and a half days straight. Um, so one four hour break would be sleeping. The other four yeah. hour break would be working out. Um, it, it was just nuts. And as a paramedic, like that probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, but <laughs> that's what I was doing. It was yeah. just kind of the way it was. Um, but so it's funny because I think about what really strong and really motivated guys have to go through to go through SEAL training and they barely make it through. Sure. And I think about like, how the hell did I make it through when I had all this extra bullshit that I was dealing yeah. with of, you know, I already know what it's like to run to your legs break. And it's not good enough, no matter what you do, sure. and to be rejected. Like I already know what that's like. Um, so I was always in awe of the guys that, you know, nobody was having a good time by any means in in a lot of these things. But there were guys who were finishing these runs that had all kinds of energy left for whatever was coming up yeah. the rest of the day, and I was like dying. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all I want. I remember specifically running on the sand, and just imagining trying to trying to uh, manifest a, a a comet coming out of the sky and just landing on me and killing me so the pain <laughs> would be fucking gone because yeah. it just hurt <laughs> and i'm just and we're like 15 minutes into the run and we still got a couple more you know hours of this stuff to go i just i want this to be over and the only way I know that could be over is if a comet comes out of the sky and hits me and just destroys me, you know, but, but the comets never came. And uh, anyway, yeah, it was just funny, but um, what, go ahead. When you say flow state, I want to, I want to get real clear on that. Do you mean present moment? You mean being present? I mean, flow is flow yet. Is it also the present? So like your mind's not processing the bullshit of the future and the fears or the, stuff from the past like are you in flow in the present moment or are you just like what does that mean to you 
they're not one and the same, which I don't know that that's what you're asking. No, but I'm just wondering, I don't like, know. Like, like I know what I'm processing is all right, flow state, but I've been in flow states before and, and I don't want to like, I'm not, I can't, I'm not, I, I don't feel like I'm ready to tackle like buds training, you know, like, mm -hmm. or running on the beach, freezing cold, wet and sandy and chafing everywhere. And I, and, and so I want to get deeper into that flow state and kind of, as we wrap up here, like what, what, what does that mean to you? And, and how can somebody get into that and find tap into that? Releasing you know, re releasing any inhibitions, uh, any limitations, and just allowing whatever is before you just go down that path with no expectation, no judgment, no anything. When it came, I mean, because it really did, it came over me like a wave uh, crashing on somebody who's just standing on the shore. Uh, you're going to seal, you're going back to seal training. I'm like, Oh, here we go. You know, right. um, it wasn't like, well, no, because you know, I was 20 when I went through the first time, broke my leg. Now this time I'm going to be 29 years old. I mean, there's no way you know, all, oh, wow. none of yeah. that, I was just, I'm going. And, uh, I even, I even started to get injured in, in Hawaii with those same familiar pains of my legs. And I'm like, man, I don't have a chance. Now my legs, my legs are starting to hurt in training. What's going to happen when I get to seal training? And I finally was just like, screw it. I'm, yeah. I'm going back. If I get hurt when I go back and that's fine, so be it. But at least I'm going back. And I never had any leg pain ever since that day. I just you released it, letting it go, yeah. just let it go. And, and what I found is, yeah, I can be in, in flow in the present moment. Uh, by just completely focusing on what I'm actually doing. Uh, but there are other times that I was in flow where I was completely checked out. Like I don't, I was in flow many, many times in hell week and I was checked out. I was just, how did I get here? How did I get there? Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Just boom. Just, just, just letting it. I, I just let it take me, I guess I can say. Yeah. Um, and, and, the funny thing is I didn't know anything about flow at the time. Um, there was no way that I could sit there and like recreate it or craft it or produce it or anything. I was just in it. Yeah. But the more I'm in, more I was in a flow state and then I learned about flow. I was like, Oh man, I was in flow here. I was there, there writing a book. I'm dang, I'm in flow right there too. Like then, then all of a sudden now it's like, Oh, okay. It almost gets reproducible. And for some people, for sure, there's no problem for them. They can, they can, Produce. Sure. I want to be in flow. Here I go. I'm not there, um, but for sure, there's a small muscle that's being worked out over and over again. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm here now. And I now know where I feel like I know the conditions to set in order to tap into that. So when I've got something that's coming up that takes a lot of work, a lot of effort, and it's going to be you know sort of a long period of time, and maybe I don't feel like it at the moment. I know what I can do for myself. Like, okay, so if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have the universe pull me down this road, you know, what do I have to do to to allow that to happen at all? Yeah, like what do you for mean? sure? Yeah, release, let it be. I could. So we got to wrap because I know my editor is gonna be like, "Stop going over an hour." <laughs> I could talk to you for like <laughs> hours. Man. I'm fascinated by I'm fascinated by your story. Can we have you back on? Yeah, I think a good a good thing. We're, our book is coming out uh, yeah. later on in the year, and maybe it'll be good 
to revisit after let's the book that's released if you think yeah let's do that because we we uh i don't really plan these out i mean i'm not irresponsible like i don't just open a mic i i i look at your one sheets and i go okay yeah i i think this works the universe sends me the people that are meant to be on this show i don't there's no outcome and so there's so much more i want to ask you just in curiosity of your life and story and so, um, yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's promote your book. Let's, let's, when is that coming out? We're thinking some, we're going to self-publish sometime around September. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we'll do that. It's only like, it's only a couple it's months away, coming. really. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. coming. Well, dude, yeah. this has been, uh, this has been awesome. I, I, there are so many things that I didn't know we were going to talk about that came up yeah. and just, and, and you want to talk about flow. This was flow. This yeah. was great, man. This is really sudden, great. An hour and five minutes has gone by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really, I really just, I, I want to thank you. I really appreciate your time. Very grateful for you being I here, being you, open, honest. The audience is going to, I mean, they're going to get so much out of this. And it's so crazy that you knew epigenetics. Mm. I, I haven't had anybody on here yet that talks about epigenetics. So read that book so we can talk about it next time. I'm telling you, oh, I want my, cool. I, I've read I think I've read it. I think I'm on my third or fourth time reading it because because it, it, yeah, it, it's like so it, it's like um, it's like water percolating through hard rock. Yeah, it just, it's slow as hell going through, and I'm like, I'm it's going to percolate in. I know there's clearance. I know there's something I'm going to get from this. Freedom, you know, elimination, clarity, able to help other guys and women through even more. It's great, man. So thanks for being here. I appreciate you so much, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And audience, remember, uh, join our Facebook community. Go check out Diego. Uh, where can people find you? At thetridentapproach.com, thetridentapproach.com. I'm on LinkedIn a lot. That's probably my biggest social media, but we're going to start a little TikTok thing here and there about mindfulness and elite performance and all that stuff so that that's going to be coming out soon as well love it so yeah we yeah. have some stuff on instagram and all that but i don't really spend too much time on there it's all good, social man. media is toxic to me bro <laughs> <laughs> i totally get it totally get it all right diego um i gotta get ready for another interview um dude thanks for being here and audience thanks for uh thanks for listening i hope you got a lot out of this if you have questions send them over to me Get Diego at the trinitapproach.com. We'll catch you on the next one.